Welcome to the Scale-Up Valley podcast, where we bring the best founders and investors to help you scale a business from 1 million to 1 trillion. Today's guest is Peter Beckman, the CEO of Trades. Peter, welcome to the show. Thank you, Mike. Pleasure to be here. I'm a fan of the pod, so quite exciting. <laughs> Likewise, it's it's great to have you here and uh, and also to have the second podcast uh, coming from Stockholm. Uh, mm. So really, really great to, to have the Stockholm more represented in our uh, episodes. But for the ones who didn't have the pleasure to meet you yet, uh, who who is Peter? And, uh, and let us know also more about trade. Yeah, cool. So me, I, I would say I'm a country boy. The guy grew up on, on the countryside and <laughs> through some weird happenstance, I, I, I via the military, went and studied in St. Gallen in Switzerland, did a PhD in corporate strategy. And then I helped large corporates do business in, in high risk geographies. So a lot of work in emerging and developing countries, uh, some corporate venture stuff. And mm. then at last got into to startups, uh, which was well, I guess like most of your guests, uh, what I always thought I was supposed to do, but I had too much fun <laughs> at, at, at that old job. Uh, so, uh, and, and trade is, a, it's a credit payment service. We help uh, merchants, typically small and medium sized uh, consumer brands uh, to pay their suppliers. And, and the problem we solve is that, uh, if you're a brand and you don't do your own manufacturing, you buy uh, from factories around the world. Uh, so if you're making headphones, you're buying it from a factory in China. If you're right. making shoes, you might buy it from a supplier in Portugal. And the problem is that you all more or less always pay the supplier in advance. So right. uh, something like a quarter to a third of world trade is paid with cash in advance. And that is really painful for brands. So we allow them to pay it later. Uh, and we're now, uh, you know, Series A going into Series B stage, uh, uh, Stockholm-based, but we have spread out company, Stockholm, Cairo, London now. Uh, so, yeah, that, I guess that's a very brief intro to trade. Sounds, uh, sounds amazing. And uh, definitely this is a, a category buy now, pay later that we have been seeing a lot in consumer but not so much. And I, I saw it even more in, in Southeast Asia, for instance, uh, where of course, being able to to win a little bit of cash or being able to buy something and then pay, paying it a little bit later also makes a, a difference in, in, the, in people's lives. But uh, great to see it being applied to, to B2B and, and especially for a big problem, as you said, for, for uh, SMB companies that uh, that are doing international trades and uh, have a, a huge problem uh, in order to grow, if they are not able, if they need to pay everything in advance and and, uh, and they have a cash flow, uh, a big cash flow yeah. problem, let's say, in other words, <laughs> it is, and it's and it's one of those. Uh, it's a very fun problem to solve because our customers have this very curious problem that's like they're telling us like we have the cost we just can't buy enough we're out of stock for our most important product all the time uh, which is almost ridiculous right someone has built a brand designed products and have them in the market customers want them and they just can't sell them so those brands are then often forced to do like they have to do rebates uh, just to get more cash so they can prepay for the next order so it's a very curious sort of uh, almost unfair problem in the world that is quite exciting to solve because it has such a big impact for, for the merchants uh, when they're actually able to have inventory and, and, you know, we help them grow, which is, of course, very, very positive. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, and tell us a little bit more about about the story. So you, you told that you have been kind of starting as a researcher. You studied and uh, worked in in Switzerland. Then you evolved into management consulting, and and then you joined it, uh, Antler, who paired you with your yeah. founder. Uh, if you could tell us a little and bit the, more about the, about the story. And the story and the actually, yeah, yeah, the story actually is, it's 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 a little bit long because it it 
uh, I decided to start my previous company, which was based in the US uh, and very connected to my work with a geographically based risk analysis. So basically reading all the newspaper articles in the world or the hundreds biggest languages, um, satellite data, et cetera, to understand the world through data, to have, think of any of those indices that you can have for like how transparent is this country, how equal right. is this geography. Uh, we did that in, in real time based on uh, crunching quite a lot of data. Uh, we, it was, uh, we technically, we got off to a very good start, but we had we had two problems. Uh, the first problem was that we built it very much, you know, deep techie approach. Uh, mm -hmm. It's a hard problem to crack. Let's, you know, and once we crack it, someone is going to want it rather than starting with a customer. And I think that's right. uh, that's a challenging way to start a company. Uh, the other problem was me uh, because I also had quite uh, stupid hobbies. So I was doing... Uh, well, a little bit of extreme sports at the time, doing speed riding and speed flying. And I took a, a small trip to Norway and managed to fly myself into a nice Norwegian mountain. And yeah, broke a lot of legs, uh, to say the least. So I got, you know, I had yeah, I had, had like six months of, of wheelchair and some surgery and, wow. and that kind of crap. And that's not a good place to be when you're trying to raise money and run a startup. So exactly we that took an end and and roughly when i could walk again i got a call from antler the accelerator program uh the stockholm uh, version of it uh, who asked if i was interested in in applying for their their next cohort and, and for me that was of course perfect timing and a lot of lessons learned uh from previous mm -hmm. mistakes uh both in terms of not flying those things and, and starting <laughs> with customers so so Antler was a really fortunate thing uh, for me or for us because that's that's also where I met my my co-founder Sam, who's maybe I should talk more about. is a very brilliant yeah. guy. But my sort of journey in there was, was at least like let's start with customers first because I mean I I basically spent my adult life in cross-border finance and cross-border business. Mm -hmm. So and I know there's so much to do, so many problems to solve. So. The approach was really to like really narrow down like the key problem for and with customers on the journey or potential customers. So I or we then later spent most time just talking to SMEs who did international business. And relatively soon, uh, we, we, we're na narrowed down on the problem because it was like company after company were telling us the same thing. They were like, you know, forget about this export stuff. Like, that's a, that's a, there's always a solution. If you solve our import problem, we'll be your customers. Like, what's your import problem? Uh, we right. pay our suppliers in advance, and there's no way to get financing for this. And like I talked about before, it's like that means we're out of stock. We have to do air freight instead of sea freight, which is super expensive and bad for the environment. We have to do rebates, it's like pain point after pain point connected. So, so these companies were like. Like, please solve it. Can we help you solve it? Uh, we'll be your customer and, you know, we can pay you well. It's it's just like, it would be amazing. And so that's really what the, how the company got started by like really searing in on that pain point. And then, of course, when we realized the size of that pain point, uh, I mean, right. SMEs can look like, uh, I mean, it is a niche problem. Of course, these are, merchant brands that uh, that pay suppliers in advance and buy finished products from factories around the world uh, mm -hmm. looks like a niche but but like I mentioned when you realize that 28% uh, of world trade is paid with cash in advance you, you also see that right. this is what life looks like for hundreds of thousands of companies and if we can solve this we can actually build something meaningful that's really how it got started and and then the second half the second part of that story was yeah. of course i was really fortunate of, of meeting sam uh my co-founder in there and and his journey was uh he came from a very different angle he, he had built a couple of of much more successful startups before mm -hmm. uh so he he's from egypt originally did his his phd in in stockholm in sweden and, and was part of starting 
live streaming uh, when peer-to-peer -peer was the big thing, uh, which they exited and was part of starting RaceFox, built one of the sort of world's first uh, sort of wearable AIs uh, for sport, and then got into fintech and crypto and wanted to bring sort of crypto to the real world and had this very cool idea about uh, smart contracts for payment. I probably shouldn't go into depth about it, but but we really hit it off. It's, he's a really brilliant guy. And we were very much like his tech and my problem uh, or domain was a very good match. Plus, we were a really good match as people. So, so that was the sort of founding story. Yeah. Yeah. And when you guys decided to to join Antler, did uh, your co-founder move to Stockholm to be in the program with you, or did you make it? Uh, did you make it remotely? Uh, yeah, yeah. So so he moved to Stockholm. I mean, he had always in I mean in his whole life had like one foot in Sweden and one in okay. in Egypt. Uh, so he went to Stockholm. So that's where he started all his companies or ah, most okay. of them, etc. So for him, that was sort of the natural place. Uh, but then we, I mean, as soon as we got out of Antler, you're basically, I mean, you're coming out with, with 12 PowerPoint slides and, and a sort of owned <laughs> idea. And, you know, you go out and, and raise money and start building and, and all of that. And we thought, I mean, since he had a really good network in Egypt with uh, like really excellent engineering talent and so on, uh, it was kind of natural that that's where we should uh, find the first uh, first employees or first uh, colleagues in tech. So, and we said maybe he spends like half time in Stockholm, half time in Cairo, and his first trip down. That's when COVID like hit properly and they closed the borders and all that. So, we yeah. were sort of forced into to a remote setup uh, from day one, uh, which in the end was. Uh, has worked really well, I think, but but it was a surprise to us. We thought, because until then we spent several months, you know, twenty four seven right. in the same in the same room, and from that and to like, well, we won't see each other for for a long time probably. So let's just you know play by ear, I guess. Yeah. Any advice for for the ones who for the for the founders or potential founders that are listening to us and that might be thinking. Should I consider a uh, venture builder? Should I consider an accelerator, uh, pre-seed funds? Uh, should I consider Antler to join? Uh, why did you decide to, to join Antler? And uh, what is your feedback to the ones who were listening to us? I think Antler specifically does one thing particularly, like their unique thing is it's a chance to find a co-founder. Uh, mm -hmm. A lot of which is critical like, for the ones who are listening, and yeah, it's just about finding the co-founder. It's it, it's a critical it, piece. If you get it if you get it wrong, uh, it will not work, right? Exactly, <laughs> it is, and and I think if people haven't tried, uh, don't realize like how hard it is and how critical yeah. it is. Uh, I think, and I think usually, yeah. I mean, most people have a network of people that are like dominated by people like themselves. Like I went to business school. I know a lot of people who yeah. are, you know, consultants, bankers, etc. I don't know that many engineers. And then of course you need that. So in that network, the finding someone, exactly. I mean, you're looking for someone who's very different from you, right? Two people are identical or similar is not a good base for a company, I believe. Yeah. Uh, so like, so Antler had gives that opportunity. Of course, it's, there's no like certainty, but at yeah. least you're in a room with like a hundred people who are committed, who have quit their job, and like I'm gonna build, and people with various backgrounds. So that was for us. It was it worked perfectly, uh, and and that I think is the key thing. Of course, there are other things like you you get a network uh, of investors if you haven't. If you haven't built a company before, you might not know that many uh, VCs or angel investors, etc. Mm -hmm. And of course, you get really you know interesting lectures and so on. But but the key thing I think in Antler is, is finding a co-founder. That's the the really unique value. Uh, 
and, and the branding itself that then kind of uh, gives a little bit more of credibility to to the startup, especially in the earlier stages uh, of financing where you might only have a PowerPoint and a scrappy uh, MVP and uh, and the dream to share and of course the team. Uh, yeah. Just saying this is coming from Antler. Maybe uh, it also uh, it will not solve everything, but uh, it helps a bit to to create another layer uh of 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 trust right yeah i i think so but we were we were the second cohort in in stockholm okay so a lot of investors actually asked us a lot about like what do you think of this what's like what what do you right. think which companies are interesting etc i think people were really curious about this new very ambitious accelerator now i think they have much more of a of a brand name of course uh but of, it also helps i mean i didn't have a lot of relations with with vcs or angel investors and right. coming out of there you i mean you i don't know you have the 21st names that you have already met one way or another and they will you know bring in the next uh, 40 helps. 50 names right. so right. so it helps with speed i think yeah and that process of course it's it's great that you are matched with uh, with someone that doesn't look like you and uh, and of course it's critical to have a technical founder especially when you have a business background and the opposite also works to have someone who matches you with a with a someone with a business background uh, being you technical and maybe only knowing other uh, technical people and then how do you create trust and how do you make sure that this is your the right co-founder uh, for you because it's also a, a short period of time uh, when you decide let's join forces and let's move forward with this idea uh, together any tips uh, yeah. there from your experience to other founders who are thinking oh maybe this person is a good fit for me uh but i don't i don't know maybe in in 6 or 12 months i i will find out that uh yeah this this has been the the wrong decision and we are not compatible with each other we are not a fit we know properly that today you guys are a fit because we have get to to series a and it's been a long time yeah. already but at those times uh there is there was a, a lot of risk involved being even being matched right it is. And I, I think it's a really good question because that is the sort of hardest piece. Uh, both both of us worked with other people within within the accelerator before yeah. we sort of decided to work together. Uh, so we went through a few iterations of realizing that we were with the wrong person. And of course, we hit it up, I think, to a great extent, sort of intellectually, like feel like mutual respect. But the key question, exactly like you're asking about, was this sort of trust. And for me, I mean, I I have at least, I think it was probably easier for me because Sam, I mean, he had a uh, and has a family in Cairo and he was like 24 seven in an office in Stockholm. And so for me, it was like, if that doesn't it's, prove commitment, committed. Yes, exactly, exactly. Uh, nothing will. So I think I took some comfort in that this guy is for real. I mean, not only has it done it before, but he's, you know, on, and that is, of course, quite a, a painful uh, thing. Uh, how how he dared to bet uh, bet on me, I, I don't know. I guess I would have to ask him that. Uh, <laughs> but <laughs> but it is, there was something I I. I I am a fairly big believer in hard work, and I think you kind of when you're working together for even if it's a short period, but it, it's still months, and you kind of see like who's uh, there early, staying late, working on weekends. It's like there is something there. Uh, I believe I think it is a signal uh, of someone that you probably want to bet on uh, or work with. Uh, and I and I think that's I mean that's also I don't know how people if it's possible to to build uh, that type of startup you know the VC backed approach of building a company which of course is a niche but doing that with the speed required without like really hard work I I have my doubts. Yeah. So uh, some needed to come back to Egypt, Cairo. Uh, in the beginning of 2020 so you started the company in october uh, 29 the the program was in august 29 i'm just looking to your uh, yeah. linkedin right so 
and almost in the beginning you guys needed to split and and Sama needed to to come back to to Cairo which was has been a, a blessing in these guys that then you were able also to find great talent uh, in terms of product and engineering and, and tech uh, over there how has been those initial uh, months until you get to to see it? What did you prove? Uh, just just to share also a little bit of your lessons learned and, and your journey with uh, with the ones who are uh, who are listening. Yeah, I mean, we wanted to really get to do transactions, do real business with real customers. We Got took it. that approach since day one of like solving a problem for customers. And we yeah. didn't have a like a crystal clear image of what that was going to be in reality. So we yeah. thought we need to go out and do uh, an iterate. So we spent, well, we raised money and, and it was a lot of complications about like raising money and especially getting credit at that time when everybody thought the world is going into like the dark ages basically uh had some challenges uh so we spent a lot of time on that but the goal was really to like to get to do business with customers and learn and iterate and we felt a lot of i think stress to get moving like get something out there do something and and we it, it, it took us a few months to find the first couple of customers and and it was a very it was a fun moment for us because we we had two customers it took us several months to actually find them and actually get them to commit and sign something and both of them actually called we were doing uh, the first couple of transactions with uh, within a couple of days and both of them called us like uh can you please explain again what we just signed it's like i don't get this because we had this very complicated <laughs> setup and structure and both of them also asked us to complete the transactions on the platform and we had built the platform and we thought it made sense <laughs> it obviously didn't to them so we had made things way too complicated so both customers like please please use the please help us use your platform nice. and please explain again what we just signed so we were like oh shit but both were also like this is so good like can we please yeah. have more uh it's like finally i can so we so had this they, curious they thing about why the, the, they bought the, the 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 benefit or the problem that you were solving uh they didn't buy the kind of the solution they trusted you that you would bring the solution to the problem that they bought right <laughs> exactly and they were like almost ridiculously happy for having yeah. a solution so so we really felt like you know we really felt that like we're on the right path yeah problem solution we, fit yeah it it really was and then it was for us we we had like we had something like nine months of runway and so we were like we need to get this to self-service and we need to find a, a scalable way of selling this we can't take like yeah. two months to get to customers then we're not going anywhere so yeah. We well, we started iterating. We we brought in one person in in Stockholm as well on the commercial side, uh, Martin. Mm-hmm. So basically, it was a very simple division. Martin and I to figure out uh, right. how to get customers, and uh, Sam and uh, and our our two guys in in Cairo to to build and iterate. And then me and Sam were like constantly just like I don't know how much time we spent on trying to figure out how to make this intuitive. Uh, but in the end, we, it, t- it took us, say, well, something like, you know, four or five months, six months to get from from that to a self-serve product, which was an amazing thing. Once we saw wow. the first sort of customer coming in that was just like, they didn't ask for anything. They just went in and started using it. And it's like, ah, we're getting there. And the second thing for us was when we also found our first sort of scalable go-to-market motion. We tested like everything and, and and for us it was really like this outbound sort of email-based approach, which was yeah. it was like black and white, it's like this works. Now we have something to iterate on. So so we basically like, okay, we got the self-serve, we found a way to sell it, and then we went and raised the seed round. Uh which we did with with J12 in, in Stockholm uh end of March 21 uh then great so that was that was fun and then then with with our sort of new found way to way to sell and self-serve product we were like 
oh, let's hit the gas. We have something like 12 months uh, to right. run, so we better hurry up. And things went actually a bit crazy. So we went from, I think, you know, an acceptable sort of 15% per month growth or something like this, which mm-hmm. I guess is sort of, you have to have something like that to, to be able to raise seed round. And we went from 15 to 50 uh, per month, wow. which is wow. very much. Uh, yeah. yeah, it's like, you know, my God, what is happening uh, kind of feeling. And also my God will run out of money. Uh, Exactly. <laughs> because fintech has you know especially if you're doing like payments and credit you have a liquidity requirement uh so we realized that you know this is gonna go like way too fast uh we need to go and raise money like now yeah. basically so i mean we were very much we were far from mature enough to actually go and raise a series a from many perspectives I mean, we hadn't really had any board meetings. We were five people, uh, like, but things were like going really fast. It was that, I think that's what people describe with that sort of product market fit feeling when yeah. sort of people just are sort of dragging it their works. service out of your hands. It yeah. works. So for us, it's like we, you know, at least we have very good numbers, you know, happy customers staying and we're growing really fast. Uh, so we need, Let's go and raise some money so we can build a proper team. And the second thing for us was also, we need to prove this internationally. Because uh, we had been only active in, in Sweden for mm-hmm. very pragmatic reason of like, yeah. that's where we were. And Sweden it's... is a very sort of practical place to start a fintech. It's like exactly. the access to data, the regulatory mm-hmm. environment, et cetera, is fairly, uh, it's a good place for fintech which uh, I guess is one reason of, of why there are so many here. Exactly. Uh, but we thought this service is going to be a, a sort of global thing because it is this niche. There's a lot of tech to build. So it won't look like you won't have, you know, a dozen in Sweden and etc. It's like, it's going to be a few actors figuring this out and building this on a global scale. So we need to prove that this works internationally. I mean, to the world and to ourselves because uh, that's what but, we wanted to build but this is kind of post post series a where you are now yeah right? exactly uh, exactly so there's those were the two things we like okay we have something that really works uh at this uh stage we need to go and raise money so we can build a team and take it internationally so right. that's what we did so and again as always in fintech you raise both uh equity and uh debt or credit yeah. partnerships uh what we call them so yeah that it actually took us a bit of time uh, until closing was like six months uh which was well admittedly painful uh but we kept growing during that time and and even you know kept hiring and so on so that was you know somewhat painful so we closed at end of march 22 uh and again sort of hit the gas but we so from our sort of when we started racing, we were five people. Uh, roughly, like eighteen months later, we were over fifty, and wow. we had opened uh, in the UK, most importantly, also in Denmark. So things were going relatively quickly, uh, and 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 that was that was cool. So I mean, we opened in the UK this summer. Now it's something like forty percent of our business uh, is there. So Super those yeah. those couple of things really, you know, worked for us, uh, to say the least. Uh, it it is a global problem to solve. Uh, the world wants it, and yeah. and now it's fun that we actually took that approach from day one. That we we knew or we were at least convinced that this needs to be sort of a global solution, which really affects how you build things. Uh, I believe, yeah. uh, or 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 it's a dramatically different. Uh, yeah. Building something for Sweden is fairly straightforward. Building something for the world is is anything but straightforward. Uh, I think right. so. So yeah, it's been it's been a bit uh, crazy in all uh, honesty, uh, but really really fun. Uh, most importantly, like we still have really really happy customers, uh, which is. I critical <laughs> it is 
Uh, it's happy really motivating. People, happy teams and uh, happy customers. That's that's a, an important foundation and the business model that works, right? That's that is important. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it's been curious. I mean, I guess it's also common in, in the beginning, you're like, you're just defending the idea. Uh, but like, why is this needed? Why it's like, right. uh, why wouldn't just the bank do this? All those sort of uh, very obvious things. And you're, uh, feels like you're talking sort of baby language. And now that's very obvious, I think, uh, to people from the outside. It's now you're getting into the interesting that. discussions. Yeah, exactly. And, and in terms of your lessons learned, you, you started almost a distributed team from day one with people, uh, with, with your co-founder, with a technical team uh, in Cairo, and then go to market and business uh, in Stockholm. Uh, how is it evolving now with, with London and, uh, and Copenhagen, I assume, in, in, in Denmark? Yeah, like I said, it was, it was, of, of functions, it was, yeah. it was a... Yeah. Exactly. It was a bit of a forced thing for us, uh, but it was also fortunate. And we land have landed in, in what we think of it as, as hubs. So we actually have an office in Cairo uh, where almost everyone in, in Egypt works. Not everyone, because we allow for some distributed when we find the right person. It's fairly easy to jack in. Uh, we have a hub in Stockholm and a hub in London. And we're like... Mm -hmm. Uh, let's say 40, 40, 20% in those locations. And as we continue, we'll continue to add hubs like, like, like that. We have sort of most of our, let's call it corporate uh, functions uh, on, the, on the commercial side in Stockholm. Uh, we have tech mainly in, in Egypt, but now we're, we're trying to mix a bit. Uh, so we have more product management and bringing engineers to Stockholm as well, because we, we really don't want to lose the sort of engineering and product culture. Because if we have only like, you know, sales, marketing, legal, finance, credit uh, in point. one office, yeah. there is a risk of losing that. And of course, the same thing if, if you're only in product and don't really have that sort of close connection right. with, with commercial, the things going on. Yeah. You know, people talking about uh, customers or hearing what you know support things come exactly. up, etc. So I think we we're trying to have some some overlap now that we can to yep. mix up a bit, and I think that's that's really important going forward. As when you're a tiny team, like coordinating and sort of cross-functional knowledge sharing is not something you have to spend a second on. It, it's just automatic. I mean, everybody knows everything. I think our engineers in the early days knew as much about our customers as the someone like me who was doing sales. Because we're like, when you're just a handful yeah. of people, you like, that's what you talk of about. Course. That's It's yeah. so obvious. And then of course you get gradually the, like the, the small engineering team turns into multiple teams uh, where yeah. you divide and, and it's all of a sudden it's marketing and it's sales in the UK and sales in Sweden. And, and, and all of a sudden you have to work a bit harder, I believe, on, on getting that integrated team that can still move fast where people, you know, are aware of what's going on. The commercial people are very sort of, uh, I don't mm -hmm. know, they're up to date with, with roadmap and technical challenges, what can be done and what can't. Um, engineers right. or product managers are really up to date about like customer discussions and feedback kind of thing. At least that's what, we, yeah. what we're trying to do now. So that's why we want to mix uh, a bit across yeah. locations so we don't get end up with like silos and, and so on. Super interesting uh, and, and, and great advice there. It makes a lot of sense. Because I assume that when you open the London app, it's all uh, it's it's mainly for uh, commercial uh, functions, kind of. I imagine SDRs, uh, AEs, uh, maybe marketing uh, as well, right? It is. We do also have credit uh, there, so uh, our credit okay. team is our most spread out. They are everywhere, uh, which is. is has been quite good uh, as well. So. 
so even even there, although the sort of main point of opening in London was to set up a local sales team uh, and account management, but yeah. it is good to bring a bit sort of cross-functional. Uh, so right. we'll have you know credit and 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 soon product management for credit in London as well. So I I'm, a, I'm a, a I think I'm a, yeah. a bit of a believer in that sort of. Uh, kind of coffee, coffee machine yeah. chat exactly still all that were spread out i think we get a little bit best of both worlds and and trying to mix and match and that's i think one more thing we like we are spending i don't know don't even think of it like that but on travel like yep. making sure people meet a bit uh that's really sort of lubricant for i mean almost everything works well uh, through Slack yeah. and, and Zoom, etc. But but actually also meeting is really helpful. Absolutely. And, and sometimes I, I see also a trend meeting just to get to know each other, uh, just spending a week in, in the other office, just being together. And sometimes uh, not even having meetings, uh, just yeah. being with each other, uh, because then... Nowadays, fortunately, you can do a lot of stuff uh, remotely. Uh, then when you are there those days all together, it's all about to get to know each other. Uh, and and we don't need to leverage the time to, to, to talk about business because then uh, we are doing this in, the, in our normal meeting rhythms, let's say, and, and routines and remote setting. Exactly. No, 100%. I, I, I believe that's exactly it. We, we just met. Uh, the whole company for the first time uh, gathered in in Egypt uh, a couple of weeks ago, and it, it's curious when you're doing because you realize like we probably shouldn't have too much of an agenda here, and then you still yeah. do you know you still have some sessions, but in yeah. the end it's like ninety nine percent of the value, and the value is strong, but ninety nine percent of it is just being in the same location, like exactly. having food together. Uh, that's you true. know those or coffee or chit chat or, or you know all of those things are what really matters uh and then of course yes you can have some agenda but we we spent we don't also didn't have time i guess to for people to like spend three four yeah. days without normal work so just like working in the same location and having yeah. some time for for food and and coffee has it's really brilliant and and it's not really much harder than that i believe uh yeah. as long as you have you know the right team and, and we've been really lucky there so that's amazing and in terms of the fundraising front we have already talked a little, a little bit about the about the journey something that i really enjoyed your about your journey is that you were able to get into series a in a very scrappy mode in terms of the the team size and and sometimes that even helps and uh, i assume also from antler to seed it has been also a very demanding uh, moment of the company because uh, for the ones who don't know i think it's kind of an android 250k check to go from almost pre-seed to to seed maybe you are able to raise even a little bit more from from angels before you you get to seed uh but I yeah think that, we did yeah Net, yeah. we had like 50k uh, out of the accelerator, yeah. which okay. you know doesn't take you very far. Uh, of course, it was more live okay. cheaply and use your savings, but yeah, yeah, yeah. And I don't know, maybe it has changed, but it's a yeah. it's a relatively modest check. Uh, that's yeah. not really the value you get. Uh, right. So we went and raised money from from angels. Uh, first thing we did okay. basically uh, to for us to be able to hire. Um, and give us a little more runway okay. but still you know it's a fast way to to seed uh i think and and we i think we did a couple of things right of course i mean one of the best you know classic sayings like it's it's the curve not the dot and i think we tried to leverage that because uh, mm -hmm. we didn't have you know the resources to have a very big team and etc and didn't have yeah. a lot of time but but we had a really steep curve uh and so that's what we aim for we have to be fast and make sure things are up to the right uh we got a we did one thing i think really right we started sharing our sort of monthly updates with okay. investors yeah uh, 
So like any investor I met, angel or VC or whatnot, I started sharing the monthly update. Uh, perhaps it wasn't even perfectly monthly, but you know as frequently as possible, uh, with good and bad. With based on the theory, it's the curve, not the dot. So right. if we're improving every week, exactly. every month, uh, probably people are going to see that. And I, I think that's one of the better things we did in the beginning, because that allowed us to then, once we found, you know, we had the basic things, self-serve and, and a reasonably scalable way of going to market. Mm-hmm. We could say, yeah, let's go fundraise. And we already had a lot of names on the list that had a bit of a relationship with us and had seen the yeah. curve of development. Exactly. So that I, I think that was critical for for both seed and, and series A actually. That, that's that's great advice uh, there, and uh, it also creates a sense. Of, it almost forces you to 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 create a, a an update that maybe you already need to to share with your own uh, investors in your in your cap table, and you are just sharing yeah. also with with some people outside of the network that can be potential investors later, or that also can be helpful just seeing the updates. Maybe you also have an ask uh, at, at the end of the updates if, if somebody knows uh, potential customers or potential leads or whatever it is, and people can yeah, also exactly. know how can I support right uh, the progress of this exactly. company and this team. And it's also like having a board meeting with yourself. Uh, exactly. That, that's the point I wanted to make. Thank you for that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. It forces you to have that uh, regular board meetings and uh, and do the reflection by just writing a very short email and, and being straight to the point. And it, it takes time and it makes you reflect about how, how you are progressing, what should be the priorities uh, moving forward. So that's definitely a great exercise and uh, yeah. a great advice. And it's fun to look back on them as well because like... They started out fairly long and are getting shorter and more to the point over time, which is probably a sign of like, uh, it is more chaotic exactly. in the head in the beginning. And gradually you're sort of hopefully getting a, a bit better grasp of what you're doing. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a fun thing and really helpful. This is a good encouragement to also start doing, even if you feel that this is not perfect or what will be the impression of, of the ones who will be receiving it, just start uh, doing it and uh, you will get better and it will also show that you have improved, which is great. So it shows that you are able to to learn quickly, which is super important in the, in the startup, right? Uh, for the ones who are looking to your progress. Yeah, yeah exactly. I mean, it is the curve, not the dot. Uh, exactly. that's all that, I love that, that matters <laughs> and and just reflecting a bit before getting to the last segment of of the show that we are becoming short uh in time uh which is of course this this role of a founder and the role of a ceo so i've been kind of working a lot in the area so you are clearly an expert in in this area i've been studying it you saw the problem for for a long time uh also you have been working as a consultant so all the I would say all the the equation was was clear for you, but then jumping and becoming the CEO of a of a startup that that's another uh, challenge, and you you need to be able to to deal with so much the speed, the the certainty, uh, and and so many variables at the same time, and making decisions without data. So, how has been your experience, and uh, any experience that you'd like to share with the audience that is going through the same journey that you yeah. that you have been through? <laughs> it is a good question because it it feels like every every four to six months so far, it feels like a new job. Uh, you realize like the, what I'm doing now doesn't work anymore. I need to, you know, something something's different. I need to uh, to switch my role. I think in the beginning. I mean, for, for a long time, the, my key job was, uh, I like to call it like pulling rabbits out of hats because <laughs> that's, that's really what it is, right? We need in, you know, whatever, usually in a very short time, we need to have a way to sell. We need to have, we need to get one more customer. We need to, whatever it is, right? So it's, it really feels like you need to just pull rabbits out of hat. That's the main job. And obviously having an idea of where to go to. I think gradually that that changes into a lot more about other people. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think now, I I also realize, <clears throat> I've, I've talk, think, been thinking about this lately, that 
I mean, until, I don't know, when you're like, I don't know, 20, 30 people, you're, you get a lot of effect by just working really, really hard. Uh, mm-hmm. And of course, a few rabbits out of a few hats, but gradually that is not the difference maker. It's, it's really all about everyone else being able to, you know, do their best. So that's a very different kind of role. And, and my rabbits are relatively small uh, compared to everyone else pulling rabbits uh, all of a sudden. So yeah. I don't know. I, I think that's a very natural progression. Uh, Going from a, a doer to, to a leader and being accountable, not for the results of what you do, but by the results of what your teams do. And it's all about providing that's that's alignment and removing obstacles to those teams to be able to to be successful and that's so it yeah. becomes more and more tactical and strategical and and less operational it is and, and the fun thing i think because you're basically the first one to go through that and then you hire someone who's uh, any role basically like a cfo like that's the same day one that person is like actually doing accounting Exactly. and you know a few months later that person has a team and is going through exactly the same process that you just went through and first you hand it off to that person super happy and then you realize that person needs to hand so <laughs> i think that's natural yes. sort of progression absolutely that's a great point so let's go to the last segment of the show where i ask you a quick question give me please a a brief answer uh starting with the first you the first one if you would have the opportunity to have a coffee with yourself at the beginning of trades what advice would you offer to your younger self uh, i think to my younger self like start earlier this is the best thing in the world and there's no other way than just doing it like start and iterate why did you wait for so long great i think that's the the key one what are you the most proud of on your journey so far so we are really really proud that we that we have the guts uh because that's like in all the dark moments that's like to dare and just like keep running and doing and not sort of panicking or 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 losing course and listening to what but like the daring through the time i think that's the uh, the most important thing for us love it worst advice ever receive it mm, i haven't gotten a lot of bad advice but one thing <laughs> that i'm not a huge fan of is like uh advice that comes with a request for equity uh okay <laughs> that's something that i kind of react to uh, <laughs> and there's a lot of that in the beginning uh and yes. you realize, and I, I think especially now that we said no to so many such things has been really good because like you want that for uh, for employees uh, rather than some advisor that will be there for a very brief period of time and sure yeah. help you solve a problem then, but the equity will will be there, you know, will be theirs forever. So right. that should be for people who are in the company, uh, I believe. Uh, for a long time so i i, I guess Makes that's sense. the worst kind of advice and uh, doesn't doesn't matter what it exactly exactly what it comes with but what uh with equity it needs to be really freaking magic that's that's a good point uh especially when you have so many people asking for that if you would give everyone the 0.5 or 1%, uh, then you you might have a problem in terms of your uh, cap table. And uh, and as you said, even the the value maybe doesn't fit the the percentage that that was that has been given as well in terms of, of value received. And now the resources, favorite book. Mm, for me, this switches uh, like uh, every week, I think. The one that I uh, like, <laughs> The recent, the one I, I think about recently is, is one of my sort of old favorites. Uh, it's called Poltava or like the battle that changed Europe, I think in English. Uh, uh-huh. So it's about, it's a curious book about, it's a whole book about one battle that uh, that was a loss from the Swedish perspective uh, okay. and, and destroyed the empire. But it's, it's an interesting story about, there was this, you know, 
Sweden was an empire back in, in the in the days. Mm-hmm. Um, they had they had a, a very famous king who led from the front, and mm-hmm. uh, they were sort of attacked by four countries at once, and they prevailed for like ten years with that. Wow. And then and then they this battle was the only one uh, where he was not at the front, and uh, it was a big loss. They lost. Uh, the entire empire basically based on that one battle, which is wow. also the battle that for, more or less created Russia. But it's a in, really interesting story, I think, about sort of leadership and daring and so on. Uh, but yeah, I, I, it's it's a fantastic book. Uh, great contribution to the list and, and, and great factors as well, uh, well, reasons. Favorite movie or series? Uh, I don't watch a lot of TV. I, I threw mine out in 2006, uh, but I think uh, some films, great. Uh, like No Country for Old Men, is amazing. Uh, uh-huh. that, that would probably be my my all time film. The only movie I ever watched, like watched it and just rewatched it again uh, instantly, which is uh, you know, the theme of Chaos and Order. And finally, your favorite podcasts, excluding this one. Nice addition at the end. Uh, (laughs) I listen to a lot of, you know, startup podcasts. I think 20VC is fantastic. I think everybody listens to All In, sort of the weekend treat. Uh, (laughs) Sounds great. Peter, it it has been a pleasure to have you on the show and we wish you all the best in the upcoming chapters and you are always invited to to come back to share the progress. I look forward. Thanks a lot, Mike. Have a good one now. Thank you, you too. And to our community, thanks for being on that side. We keep bringing you the best of the best uh, to make your life a little bit easier as you scale up your company. See you soon and keep scaling.